0: This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them.
1: And hello, and this is Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with Rob and Mob. I'm Rob. And I'm Mob, and Rob, it's an exciting episode. Ah, oh, look, it, it is an exciting episode. I, I wish we had our, our special episode, theme music, uh, you know, set up and running, but, well, Shenandoah Down Under has hit the big five o. It's the 50 episode mark, yes. The, the Does that mean we go into syndication, Rob? <laughs> Um, actually, I'm sorry, Michael. I believe syndication, uh, A, doesn't happen with podcasts. And B, I think it's 60 episodes. Oh, okay. Well, um, spoilers. We're not, <laughs>
0: probably not going to get to 60 because the Shenandoah is now very,
1: very close back to Liverpool. We're, we're running out of story. We're, we're, we're running out of the sea of stories. So unless we go back to the beginning and start all over again, uh, although we, we haven't quite run out of stories because, um, there was a, a, a event at the State Library of Victoria last Thursday, um which we didn't attend because we weren't invited. But uh the State Library of Victoria has purchased the um the Journal of Debney Minor Scales, the, yes. the most splendidly named of all of the officers uh, on board the Sheridoa. Mm-hmm. Um so and
0: this, this journal um is handwritten yes. and I believe has not actually been Uh, subjected to any sort of
1: serious study by historians at all. No, no. I I think um, uh, Barry Crompton of the uh, American Australian-American Civil War Roundtable, Inc., uh, (laughs) whose meeting we attended (laughs) last week at the splendid Retreat Hotel in Abbotsford, uh, where the corned beef is amazing. Um, uh, You could give me a free corned beef for that (laughs) uh, Retreat (laughs) Hotel. Uh, He said he had seen some of it and there was just new material on every page and also apparently... Um, there was a trove of photographs of various mm. Confederate naval officers um, taken before the voyage of the Shenandoah in both france and um, and also in england so um, you know, it 'd be great if there were some you know, pictures of midshipman Mason. or you know so, yeah. so, so, um, it 's very exciting, so I think we might when that um, uh, when that uh, diary is is released to the world in whatever form it is released to the world, I think we might have to have a a very special, um, additional, perhaps fifty third episode yeah. of of Shenandoah Down Under because I think we we will have to talk uh, we will have to talk about that.
0: So, so this had been in the family, I believe, for many years, and uh, only
1: had recently come to light. Well, uh, well, I think also only recently realised that it was of of general interest. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you know, thousands and thousands of families in America have got you know mouldering old um, Civil War diaries, um, yeah up in the attic somewhere. And in fact, of course, um, yeah, Mr Whittle's diary only came to light a few years ago. So it's it's just amazing how much more and more information. As, as Barry Crompton said when we interviewed him, you, you've got a bunch of, of very literate soldiers. And you've got and, on, on the Shenandoah, you've got a bunch of very literate sailors who go on a very long voyage. Mm-hmm. So it's not entirely surprising that they, uh, they very did Very true. Did and
0: what I find, as someone who speaks English, yes. uh, for this to be particularly great is the fact that you can you can be a historian or an amateur historian very uh, successfully with American history about the American Civil War because well most of it is written in English
1: so uh, you can read the primary sources. Well, although I have to say, Surgeon Lining writes a rather strange form of English. Yeah, you know, <laughs> remember when Lieutenant Lee went "Pop goes the weasel" and we yes, we yes. had to infer from that that um, yeah. Oh, and also Mister Mason. Frequently
0: dropped into French whenever he wanted to talk yes. about something risque, yes, and uh, very bad French. Th- that's exactly right.
1: Yes, his French, his French was was not his was not his strong point. But that that was what a gentleman did in those days. It was so that if your mother found your diary, perhaps after you were shot, um, there would be in nothing, a duel, there would be nothing to scandalise her tender sensibilities, because of course she would not be taught to speak French, because you know, it was rather naughty. So,
0: anyway. Speaking of uh, diaries, I'm now going to do. What may even be the last riffle at the microphone oh, Mister Whittle's uh, journal, that. because oh. today, today, actually, I'm afraid today is
1: not Shenandoah Tuesday. It's in fact uh, Shenandoah Wednesday. Uh, no, that's that's because yesterday was um, the Melbourne Cup Day, and um, it's a public holiday here in Melbourne. This uh, is the Melbourne Cup horse race. That, that's exactly right, and um, uh, it, it's it's. Basically, a cardinal sin if you're a Melbourneian to do any work on Melbourne Cup Day. So, um, so we didn't. So we did not record uh, on Tuesday. It
0: was a public holiday.
1: It's been Melbourne Cup's been going since 1851. Yes, which is pretty amazing. And, and the connection with the Shenandoah is that the Melbourne Cup yesterday was won by Prince of Penzance, and of course, the Shenandoah is now um, getting sailing towards Penzance. I. I, I... <laughs> I am impressed, Rob. I was wondering where you were going with that. You went there and you didn't come back. That's, that's all I'll say. And yes. Uh, well, okay, although it has no, no connection with the Shenandoah, uh, it was a very interesting running of the race yesterday because um, the, the race was, was won, by, uh, won by a woman. Uh, Ms Payne, um, yeah, female her, jockey. Her strapper brother, who has Down syndrome, um, yeah, that was a victory for strappers with Down syndrome everywhere. And Frankie Dettori, the uh, the English jockey, was um, was put in the slammer for a month for um, for terrible riding. So, so there you go. Yes, he sort of cut cut in front of some
0: other horses or something. Yes, yeah, so it was uh, very exciting here to watch that. So that's why we're recording today on not Shenandoah Tuesday, but Shenandoah Wednesday. And uh, being November the 4th, that is in fact the day after uh, Mr. Whittle stops writing in his diary 150 years ago. He stopped on the 3rd.
1: Oh dear, well he was probably he was probably working. So
0: working we had Mr. The, uh, Mason sort of give up the ghost uh, about halfway through the cruise. We had Surgeon Lining give up about uh, two weeks ago.
1: No 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 so, so, so Oh he's still going, is, is he? he? He's still going strong, yes. No no we 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 Oh it was Mr. News. Mason that gave up. Mr yes. Mason that gave up. And yes. uh Cornelius Hunt is almost unintelligible at any point and <laughs> keeps on going back and forth in time and, and making a lot of stuff up. So uh yes. So, so we've got uh
0: we've got the last entry of Mr Whittle yesterday and we'll get to that in a moment. So just just to situate us, we have the Shenandoah hundred and fifty years ago heading back to Liverpool. Uh, I'm trying point. to avoid any sort of uh, other ships, particularly, of course, Yankee warships that yeah. might be in
1: pursuit. Yankee gunboats. But, of course, um, they must be getting a bit stressed out because they're in the Irish Sea. And um, unlike Spike Milligan, they are not walking backwards for Christmas across the Irish Sea. They are trying to get into Liverpool. But there must be sails. Sails are plenty all, all around.
0: Yeah, yeah. He... he Definitely mentions that uh, they're seeing a lot more uh, ships now in in the last few days as they're. Well, you, you think up so? There. <laughs> yes. What they're what they're trying to do is actually reach what's known as Cape Clear. Okay. Is, is Cape Clear in on
1: on the English coast or is it in
0: in Ireland? Uh, in fact, it's the uh, southernmost point of uh, the southernmost point of Ireland. Yes. yes. And Cape, Cape Clear is the island. And then beyond that is Fastnet Rock, where there's a lighthouse. Oh. And also Mr. Whittle mentions that too. That's what they're heading towards. Yep. Uh, apparently because, or he says that once you're inside that, you're inside English territorial
1: waters. Okay. And, and, uh, um, um, while, um, you know, Florida in Brazil might have been cut out in a neutral port by an American gunboat. Uh, Probably not even an American gunboat want to violate English uh, territorial waters because England still had the... They by far the, the waves, biggest. They, yes. England, yeah, ruled the waves exactly.
0: Yes. So, uh, Cape Clear was the the last spot that all those emigrants leaving Ireland oh. during the famine they'd see of you know the old country as they oh. sailed across the Atlantic to America.
1: No doubt there is there is many a sad song that mentions mentions Cape Clear. But but of course, um, the, to the crew of the Shenandoah, it means it means safety and um, getting towards the. The end of their end of their trip yes yeah, so. so they they're,
0: they're heading up that way and they, they they get up there about this time 150 years ago mm. and it's at this point I guess because they decide that uh, they're now safely within uh, British territorial waters that they can do what's called pay off the crew okay yes. And uh we'll get to that in just a moment because before that if you remember in our last episode we did mention that there'd been a death last episode. Yes.
1: Yes, poor old poor old Bill William, William Bill Bill, Bill.
0: Bill Williams, yes. The uh the Hawaiian islander who
1: had finally succumbed to his uh venereal disease I think it was that yes. uh, did him in. Now, I, I wonder if he was an ancestor of the um, of the New Zealand rugby player Sonny Bill Williams who gave away his uh, his winning, me- winning medal to a 14-year-old fan after the Rugby World Cup. Last weekend. Last weekend, yes, yes. So, so there you go. We, we've been saying, you know, Bill Williams is a joke name and can't possibly be his real name, but Sonny Bill Williams is a, is a perfectly real There loser. you go, there you go.
0: So we, we actually had another death just before the uh, the paying off. Yes,
1: just before the paying off. So, yes, I'm, I hope... Uh, I because his widow got paid off anyway yes that's right. to to go back in time a little bit so this is to uh actually, actually let's, let's let's go back to sunday october the 29th mm-hmm. 1865 um heavy sea and uncomfortable ship sp- spree in the OB room last night a kind of general drink ending in a row between o'brien and mcnulty mcguffinsee and mcnulty the Irishman, mm-hmm. some awful looking eyes this morning, and I dare say a good many swolled heads. Yes, you see, this again is, is lining English. <laughs> swolled heads. I, I, I presume he means swelled heads, but uh, swolled. I like. just think that means they're all hungover. But but anyway. I think I think they are extremely hungover. And given it's a day after Melbourne Cup Day in uh, in Melbourne, I think there's a lot of people in Melbourne who are very <laughs> hungover today. So, doing a bit of method podcasting here. So, oh dear, bud. Thank you, Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Monday, October the 30th, 1865. At 5.45, Canning died from Thysis. P-H-T-I-S. Actually, I think the Thysis, I, I think the P is silent. So Thysis, brought on by a gunshot wound through the right lung, which he said, I thought, Detect a bit of, uh, you know, so. uh the, Physis is, I believe,
0: like an unhealed right, wound, okay. isn't it? okay, yes, yes very possible. And, of course, back in the days before antibiotics... Yes. ...you could actually get an injury and uh, suffer for it for years afterwards because it just never quite managed to, yes. to heal up, which well, would be very unpleasant. And, of course, uh, Joshua Chamberlain, who was, you know, the... Uh, the hero at Gettysburg. Okay. He was later injured in the uh, in the Civil War, and uh, he was shot through the groin, actually, oh. which would be a very nasty injury. And that apparently never healed. And he lived till he was uh, nearly ninety, I believe, with an unhealed groin. Yes.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yes. So poor, poor Canning
1: is dying of this uh, gunshot wound that he claims. Yes. Well, he got at the Battle of Shiloh while he was serving on General Polk's staff. There is something in the history of this man that none of us know. His being on General Polk's staff, his coming over to Europe with a wife, a Southerner by birth, who no one has ever seen since, nor has anyone ever heard him speak of her. His going out to Australia, not having her with him. His great reticence on all subjects related to his past life, not even mentioning any of his family, or who they were, or where they lived. No mention being made in any of his journals to anybody or anything relative to his past life. We don't know where any of his relatives live, nor who they are. In fact, we know nothing about him. And now, after overhauled all his things, nothing can be found which will give a clue to where any of his people are, or who he has been. He was an ungrateful man, never thinking that anyone ever did him a favour by doing anything for him but rather that all things should be done for him, no matter what it might cost others. He quarrelled with every one who had much to do with him, and was generally abusive in his epithets. But, poor fellow, he has gone to his last long rest. Let his faults be buried with him. Well, I haven't been. We're still talking about them 150 <laughs> years later because it was all all written down. In and, the
0: and he's described elsewhere as a young Englishman. And I, I was always assuming when I was reading about him that he was old, but grizzled uh, and old. but, no, and old, no, but no, he's in fact a young English fellow, and uh, he has a wife
1: somewhere. We just can't quite pin that down. Yes, yes, I, I kind of doubt from that that he, he she ever she ever got her ever got her money. So on on Tuesday, October the thirty first, eighteen sixty five, Canning buried Doctor McNulty reading the service. Since he was a Catholic like Canning, uh, presumably McNulty was was sober on the occasion. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, um, did does, does Whittle make any mention of the, the the funeral or the or the death? Because that that's not a you know, not a terribly uh, long description of um, the the second funeral of Lord Sanadilla. Yes. The yeah. This was on October the thirty first was the
0: the burial and it was at nine forty five the solemn call of all hands to bury the dead was passed, and after the Catholic burial service was read by Dr. McNulty, the remains of poor Sergeant Canning were committed to the deep
1: and it was an affecting sight. Oh there you go. So it wasn't a it wasn't a disaster like poor old Bill Williams who was just dropped off the poop deck or something. Yes, they...
0: the captain uh, apparently screwed that one up,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> as as he seemed to do quite often. So the next day, um, this is when he starts noting quite a few different ships that they're seeing, and they're getting a little bit agitated because oh yes. they don't want to be captured at this, uh, no, at, no, this last at this late point. stage. No, no, that 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 would be bad. They see a hermaphrodite brig. Which of huh. Ma- Michael? Tell me, what is a hermaphrodite brig? It's a two-masted vessel, and it's got uh, one set of sails at the front, yes, and a different set at the back. So it's uh, square
1: rigged at the front, and it's and aft rigged at the back. Oh, okay. So one set of one set of the sails is ship rig, and another set is brig rig. Yes. So that meaning it's a hermaphrodite because it's like some half brig, half yes ship shimmerer Yes. As a natural voice. Yeah, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> and then interestingly, if you have a three-masted ship, it's known as a jackass bark. And that's one where you have a combination of sails, where you'll have the foremast will be square-rigged. Yes. And then the mainmast will be partially square-rigged and partially fore-and-aft. And the mizzenmast, that's the back one, is fore-and-aft rigged. And that's called a jackass bark.
1: Obviously, from the name, I'm, I'm assuming that, yeah, you know, a self-respecting sailors regarded. as a bit odd, because certainly it does And there were, odd. in
0: fact, a couple of four-mastered jackass barks as well, and I'm, I'm not sure what they were called. Yes. And... Uh... I don't know what happens if they decided to have a five-mastered one. That would be uh, that would be very. I, I, interesting.
1: I think because I did some research, and I think that there were only ever a couple of five-mastered ships, and I think they're actually so few that they they never actually really worked out what to call them. So, we, yeah, we... So that's a WTF bark, <laughs> I think. But anyway,
0: so uh, yes, they, they've noticed a few ships. They're again trying their hardest not to actually uh, talk to anybody. Um, Whittle's. Journal is again full of his things about, oh God, grant us safe asylum, et cetera, et cetera. He's plunged into, into gloom. A little plunged into gloom. It, it must be Wednesday. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, yes. So then we get up to the, uh, the, the final entry that he gives, which is on, oh. uh, November the 3rd, 1865. So 150 years ago yesterday. Jesus they've got inside, uh, uh, well, they're getting into inside Cape Clear. They're, they're about 200 miles short of it. And obviously they've decided they're close enough to, uh, pay off the ship. Now, normally you would pay off the ship, um, as you were, uh, either in port. Yes. Or, um, you know, warping your way into harbour or something. But, uh. But pre- presumably
1: they don't know whether they're not all going to be clapped in irons. As well that's
0: as, that's indeed what he writes about here okay, he okay. he's He's a bit concerned that uh once they get in there, unless a gross violation of neutral waters be submitted to us, we will be safe from capture even if we were fall into an american man of war for in the St George's Channel, England owing the country on both sides, it is most emphatically English water, which is English soil. but I would rather not have the experiment tried No, though no, no. yes. But then he writes about that he is very concerned, I fear that upon our arrival in an English port, if the Yankees were to declare a refusal to give up our persons a just cause for war and England's interests were opposed to a war, the English government might make a sacrifice of honour to interest. In other words, hand them over to
1: the Yankees. That's an interesting phrase, a sacrifice of honour to interest, and a bit... England mm. might be decided that their honour would be fully satisfied by handing over the <laughs> yes. crew of the Shenandoah.
0: so they're a little bit concerned about that. So I think that's why the decision is made to actually uh, pay the ship off before they actually
1: reach... Uh, no, no, on, on it I could even
0: be that they do it before they reach English uh, territorial waters. So there's no question about uh, whether the money is still uh, legally oh, okay, able legal. to be given over to the crew. So, upon calculation, it's found that it would take some thirty thousand dollars to pay everybody off.
1: Uh, you see, this is this is when you you bring out your bucket of dollars at the start of the voyage and say, "Come one, come all." The money, but, money which money, they did, money. we'll point With, out back in did. episode one. And, yes, what happened to that bucket of dollars? I, I wonder. <laughs> yes, yes. I think um, they're Confederate dollars. So, okay, so, so so they need thirty thousand dollars. How much do they have?
0: Okay, upon calculation, it is found that it would take some 30,000 pay, which we have about 4,000. Oh. This deducting the probable cost of pilotage, etc. Yeah, <laughs> you've you still do, got to get into you port. Do,
1: you do need to be able to get into port and for the higher, higher berth or something like that.
0: Which will give every man on the ship $1 in each $7.10 he has due him.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Well, I hope they got a bit more than that when they got back into port, because, because doesn't Mr. Bullock back in, back in Liverpool, he, he, he should have some cash. But anyway, but, but what I have to say, um, is the, the war's been over uh. for three
0: months. I'm, I'm sure Mr. Bullock might have a great big, um, case of Confederate dollars. <laughs> okay. Upon this, I got $45.90.
1: $45.90. Having some
0: voyage. $326 due me. So, he was, he was pretty well gypped. This is probably the last money I'll have for a long time, and it only grieves me to know why. I do not love money, and have no desire to be rich. All I want is enough to live on and support my darlings at home. Where there is a will, there is a way, and this shall be my motto. I'm sure not to starve on it.
1: Well, Look, I'm glad he doesn't like money because he, he doesn't have a it whole lot of it. <laughs> forty-five. No. 40, no, no, no. Okay. 40. Okay, that's the executive officer. Yes. who comes out of this with forty-five bucks. Oh dear. Okay, but but at least you know Whittle and the other officers did sign up for the honour of their country, whereas the people who just signed up just for the money. Although I have to say, one dollar and seven—that's that, at least something. I remember in the um, reading that in the the Melbourne land boom, which was in the 1890s. A great many, um you know, previously solid citizens of Melbourne went bankrupt during that boom. And a lot of them paid one penny in the pound. So that is, uh, so and there are 240 pennies in the pound. So they got paid 1, t- one 240th of, uh, of what they owe.
0: So interestingly, Lining noted uh, that he was due $547.19. Oh and got $77.06. Okay. And he says, it reverses the old saying of more days, more money, for now it is more days, less money, which is a bit sad but true. And uh, Lieutenant Grimble noted at the end of the copy he made of the Shenandoah that the Confederate agent Captain Bullock has saved our pay for us. Oh, okay.
1: Interesting.
0: Interesting. Uh, Lieutenant Grimble later wrote that his, f- uh, wrote to his father that he'd received £300 before leaving England. Okay. So, um, maybe they did actually get to go to, uh,
1: well, to I, well, Bullock. Well, I think, well, I, I think that that's pretty conclusive evidence. And £300 was probably about a thousand dollars in those days. Yeah. So, um, so they got paid good, good British coinage. And I think that that very much vindicates Waddell's decision to go back to Liverpool because, Yes. Um, yeah. Money is good, and they had none.
0: But at this stage, though, at they, this they stage, they're that. on
1: board the ship. Yes. They don't know
0: that. They don't know that Bullock is there, and uh, they're all feeling a bit grim about... Uh, now, now
1: we, we might go ahead perhaps one day, although maybe not, because on Sunday, November the 5th, um, Lining says that they paid off the crew, but he might be wrong by a couple of days. But um, So... Um, Sunday, November the 5th, at sea and going up the Irish Channel, so that certainly sounds like they've got past uh, Cape Clear. And of course, remember remember the 5th of November, so it's the anniversary Guy of Day. Guy Fawkes Day. It's Guy Fawkes Day in 1865. Just as tomorrow we Guy Fawkes Day in 2015. So, um, for our, uh, foreign listeners, what is Guy Fawkes oh, Day? Guy, which, well, I think it's given a lot of our forest, foreign listeners appear to be English, uh, <laughs> they probably don't know. <laughs> Guy Fawkes, the only man ever to enter Parliament with, with, with honourable intentions. Which actually. is to blow it up. Wasn't <laughs> yes, it? which was to blow it up. Yes. He was discovered under the English Parliament with Many, many, uh, barrels of gunpowder and a match and, um, you know, a long fuse. And he was waiting for the king to open parliament and he was going going to blow it up. And of course. It was an,
0: it was a uh, Catholic plot, was yes, it? Yes, yes. It was a
1: popish plot, um, air quotes. Uh, yes. As, as I said at the time. And of course, for many hundreds of years, that was then commemorated by small children, uh, blowing their fingers off by setting the light <laughs> to, That's right. to crackers. And when I was a child, it was still, it would still be cracker night in, in Melbourne. Yep. And you could go out and you get your penny bungers and your Catherine wheels and, but they, um, they made fireworks illegal, um, here in Australia. Here in Australia. Australia many, many years ago. They are
0: cheerfully not illegal in large parts of the United States, I can
1: report. Yes, but they probably don't, I think they, they, yeah, you know, let them off on July the fourth rather yes, than uh, yes.
0: November the fifth. They weren't doing that in um in uh
1: the southern states though, I don't think, were they at this point? No, probably not. No, um no. And um the Uh, although uh, fireworks, I believe, are legal in Australia in the Australian Capital Territory because quite a number of things that are illegal you know, in the rest of Australia, funnily enough, are legal where... In our national capital. Yes, in our national capital. So, um, okay, Sunday, November the 5th, perhaps, 1865, at 10am we passed Tuscar Light, several ships going out as we came in, paid off all the men, none seemed dissatisfied except some who were drunk. Well, I wonder if they're drunk because they're dissatisfied, or they—they—they they, they worked out. <laughs> there's oh a recursive God. loop going <laughs> on there there's for there's about a... <laughs> the last eight weeks. Okay? <laughs> uh, I, 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 Waddell managed to, to to insult and infuriate one of his um, uh, officers oh, one tell. one last time. Yes, Captain gave up the entire charge of tunning up the channel. I wonder if tunning's actually a word, or if this is again lying, lying in English. Maybe it's running. I think I think the, I think the person who um. Yeah, made this uh, copy of Lining. I, I think it must be running up the channel. To Bullock, much to the disgust of Whittle, began to burn blue lights and send up rockets soon after leaving the scary light and just before 12 o'clock midnight made Point Linus night. So, I don't know why you would burn blue lights and uh, send up rockets, but uh, we'll celebrate their successful arrival. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So now that that means that um, the uh, the final uh, the final arrival of the Shenandoah mm. in Liverpool uh, we will leave to our to our episode next week. So that will be our 51st episode, uh, and we are going to the Polly Woodside on Saturday, which is actually the the 150th anniversary of. Um, the uh, the arrival of the Shenandoah in Liverpool and the Polly Woodside, as I'm, I'm sure we've mentioned a number of times before, is a, a tall a, ship. It's a tall ship. It is, you know, of From, the period.
0: Uh, it was built in uh, the mid 1880s, I believe, but it is in many ways a very similar construction to the Shenandoah. And yes. you can get a sense of
1: what the Shenandoah is like by looking at the Pollywood side. Yes, and, and Bayard Shepherd, who was uh, interviewed by us um, in, in an earlier episode, is going to be conducting a tour of the um, the Pollywood side and basically saying, well, if you move that cabin over there, that'd be what the Shenandoah looked like. So, um, we'll, we'll give a report of that in our 51st episode. Mm, yeah, I'm episode. looking forward to that. 51st episode. And I think after that, we, we might have another episode, which is, uh, will be about the, the court case. Cause of course, the, uh, the Alabama case was, the um, Alabama
0: claims, it was yes. called, but that was, uh, for all of the, uh, the Commerce
1: Raiders that had been out in the Civil War, and the Shenandoah was one of the more prominent of those. One of the more prominent and successful and, and the last man standing. So I think um, uh, there'll be a, you know, a very interesting episode. And we might, we might perhaps have one more about, you know, what happens with everybody after the war, because, um, you know, Captain Waddell, um, you know, had, had an interesting post-Civil War career, in in fact, involving birding a couple more ships, which is, which is quite fascinating. But um, so... Although, although the journey is almost over, it is not quite over. So, um, hope you enjoyed this episode of Shenandoah Down Under or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales. I was Rob. Oh, and I am still Mob. And, and for at least another two episodes. For at least another two episodes. So hopefully you will join us next week and, uh, down with the king. Yes. <laughs> Tallyho.